This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Hey everybody, welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. Hello. We find ourselves, hello. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is our third time at the Philly Podcast Festival. Um, we're so happy to be here. Uh, Andrew, it's a hot one. <laughs> like, like seven inches from the midday sun. Yes, very smooth of you to pick up that reference. We were arguing about this outside. Does, any, does anybody else remember that commercial from the 80s and 90s about the couple who's fighting over calling Sears about air conditioning? Okay. <laughs> yeah, anyway, go look I it up. It's good. I don't have like a joke or a follow-up, but just remember? Yesterday. Remember you called them one? yesterday. Yesterday yeah. you said you call Sears. Um, who here has listened to the show before? That's a, a okay, friendly great. room, so we don't have to try that hard. Um, so you know that we're here, we talk about books, one of us reads them, the other one listens and says dumb stuff, um, and maybe you learn something, maybe you laugh, those are the goals. Uh, so Andrew, what did you read for this week's Year's Days show? For this show, whenever <laughs> in time that it is, I read uh, Anne of Green Gables by Lucy Maud Montgomery, that's Maud without an E, just so you know. Mm, and Anne with an E. And Anne with an E. Very yes. important. It's very important. It's the name of the Netflix show, I think. Anne with an E. Yes. A controversial Netflix show, as I understand it. I don't know. I haven't watched it. People don't like it. <laughs> That's the controversy. <laughs> Who here has read Anne of Green Gables? My hand is not up. So yeah, right. I am along with half of the room's ride this week. Um, so we're going to talk about a little bit about the author. And then we're going to get into the book proper. I'm just looking at a list on your computer that says top 10 orphans, and I'm wondering <laughs> what criteria we're using to judge orphans. Yeah, so like, this... Like, fewest number of parents? Well, that's a good metric. Um, it's a very disruptive metric. Um, this comes from an article for The Guardian, and the title of the article was Catherine Rundell's Top 10 Orphans. Back at you with that Top 10 Orphan <laughs> Countdown here on 99.7. Coming in this week at number four. Um, I did not list all of them because I don't know all of these orphans, but it's literary orphans, you guys, because Anna Green Gables is a literary orphan. Yep. Um, and so here's just a list. I'm just going to like talk about some orphans real quick to set the stage for today's orphan discussion. Great. Get, get that pump primed. We've got Mowgli. Mowgli? Mowgli. Mowgli from the Jungle Mowgli. Book. Uh, his folks were lost. He was lost in the jungle due to a tiger attack. Very sad. Very sad. Um, Cinderella is an orphan. Mm -hmm. I always forget that her dad. Yeah, there's some people like, well, like, does her like dad leave and is like, just like live with your evil step? Mother, it's, I don't know how Cinderella made this list. Yeah, I don't know if he skipped town or if he died or what. Yeah, it's, he it, died? All right. Mm, lost That's at sea. Very mm. sad. Uh, Tarzan, an orphan, another jungle orphan. Uh-huh. Uh, Harry Potter, something, something Voldemort. I don't know if this. <laughs> Peter Pan, mm -hmm. the boy who ran away and stayed a boy. 
Did he, was he an orphan or did he just run away from his parents? Both ask Catherine Rindell. Okay, <laughs> great. Um, little Orphan Annie, of course, it's a hard knock life. Mm-hmm. Daddy For Warbox, etc. Um, Batman. I've, his parents are dead. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, his parents get killed in an alley. I've so never he heard of that story un- before. <laughs> he becomes an unstable crime fighter. Sure. It's a very popular comic book. Interesting. Um, there are others. Oliver Twist. Not, that didn't make the list, ironically. Oliver Twist. Honorable mentions. Yes. If you will. Tom Sawyer. Uh, Chaboy Heathcliff from Wuthering Heights. Right. Um, Jane Eyre. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Frodo Baggins? Yeah. I did not know that Drogo Baggins and Primula Brandybuck died in a boating accident. Yeah, they died in a boating accident. Some say it was Drogo's weight as sank the boat. Some say. Yeah, and then Bilbo adopted say. him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just put Hey Arnold on my own personal list. Is his name Hey Arnold? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I have the microphone. What I say is right. Great. Uh, and then I have some like real-life famous orphans uh, that include Marilyn Monroe... Malcolm X, Eleanor Roosevelt, Edgar Allan Poe, Babe Ruth, and Ella Fitzgerald. Hmm. So, and we're Anna Green Gables in some good company today. Yeah, a lot of uh, good orphans. Like want, if it was making me kind of feel bad that I do have parents. Well, as Laura told me this afternoon, we all become orphans one day. Whoa! <laughs> That's my, my wife, everyone. That's my wife. If we're we hope. We hope. That's <laughs> um, so. Andrew, do you want to talk about Ms. Montgomery now? Yeah. What do you What do you know about her? What can you tell me about her? Uh, this is Lucy Maud Montgomery, y'all. She was born in 1874, died in 1942. Right. And she was she was not an orphan, but no. um, when her mother died, her dad was like, "I just can't handle this. I'm out." And um, <laughs> sure, who among us? So uh, Hugh John Montgomery gave custody of Lucy Maud Montgomery to uh, her maternal grandparents, who then raised her mostly from there. Yes, uh, she did end up going back to live with her father for a period of time after he remarried. Doesn't sound like she had a good time during any of this period of her life, <laughs> uh, which would then inform her work, particularly with Anna Green Gables later on. She wrote a uh, lot of orphan books. It was more than just Anne. I think there was another orphan named Emily whose arc was not dissimilar. Yeah, so there were a series of Annie, like orphan stories in the turn of the 20th century, uh, including M.A. Maitland's Charity Anne from 1892, mm-hmm. where you see this like big eyes, dark history, scrawny <laughs> form trope, mm-hmm. right? Um, J.L. Harbour's Lucy Anne, who also had red hair. I feel like Big Eyes, Dark History is my favorite Kanye album. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's good. Um, And also, Lucy Ann Charms a Spinster, which may or may not be part of this book. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. You won't correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, great. So uh, she was obviously reading those books as they came out, 1890s, et cetera. She started getting published after she had been a teacher for several years, um, was writing in the 1890s, yeah, she had her first, her first published thing was a poem in the newspaper. Now, she did have very high, like, aspirations of writing before then. They, they, didn't, they didn't pan out, but she knew one day she'd hit it big. She yeah. did not lack for self-esteem, this one. That's true. Yeah. That's certainly true. She did refuse two marriage proposals um, before eventually getting engaged. This is, like, a big part of uh, her story. She was engaged to this guy named Edwin Simpson, but loved a dude named Herman Leard, and never married either of them. 
she did put in her journal a comparison of their kisses, which I would just like to read to you now. God, this can be like reading my live journal. <laughs> Herman suddenly bent his head and his lips touched my face. I cannot tell what possessed me. I seem swayed by a power utterly beyond my control. I turned my head. Our lips met in one long, passionate pressure. A kiss of fire and rapture such I had never experienced or imagined. Ed's kisses at the best left me cold as ice. <laughs> Herman's sent flame through every fire of, fiber of my being. And she didn't marry either of them. Um, Herman died, and she always regretted uh, how she felt about him and what she didn't do about it. Mm -hmm. um, and she left Edwin in the dust. <laughs> so, uh, she, as you said, she did publish. She went on to make some books, right? Um, so she published uh, this book, Anna Green Gables, in 1908. Right. Um, I have some notes about its reception in America. So it's a very popular book. For those of you who have not read it, um, yeah. as I'm sure you are just aware of it, it's a very popular Super book. Super popular book. And then, and for some background, because you're going to read about your, the American reaction, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is coming out in 1908, which is um, happening pretty far into the second industrial revolution, yeah. which is the one that gave everybody like telephones and electricity and trains and stuff. Um, some of those things are visible in this book, kind of in the background. Huh. But by and large, it's very like pastoral and rural, and um, yes, and, and yeah, that that I understand led to some unkind comparisons between Canada, where the book takes place, and America, where the book was well, being reviewed in this in this instant. Much like today, we seem to revere Canada with an element of intense condescension. Like everybody, every American kid's first experience with Canada is you look at the back of a paperback book and you see that they have to pay more money for the book than we do. <laughs> and you just, that, like, our money is better than theirs. So, therefore, yes. Quid ipso facto, Canada. Quid ipso facto. Yeah. That's uh -huh. Latin for because. Because. Of course. Yeah. Um, so, one essay argues that the American media um, suggested all of Canada was backward and slow arguing that a book like Anna Green Gables was only possible in a rustic country like Canada, <laughs> where the people were nowhere near as advanced as the United States. Our current political climate I think, yeah, I think Canada's going to get the last laugh on this one. <laughs> uh, a direct quote from a Boston newspaper said, No one would ever imagine that such a remote and unassertive speck on the map would ever produce such a writer whose first three books should one and all be included in the six bestsellers. But it was this emotional, unemotional island, excuse me, that Anne of Green Gables was born. That's Prince Edward Island. Prince Edward Island, yes. So... Uh, going on from there, she married. It was a long, rough marriage. Her husband shared different political views from her on World War One and then World War Two. Um, there's, she may or may not have taken her own life when she died of what people say was coronary thrombosis, but she was kind of depressed at the end of her time. So mm -hmm. we don't really know. Um, do you want to talk about a little bit more about this book, Andrew, and its reception? Uh, yeah, let's. So I can tell you a little bit about the book and the like the series of books. Hit me. So this was the first in a series of eight books that were published during her lifetime about Anne of Green Gables, and also her friends and her family. Um, published between 1908 and uh, 1939, and like the Narnia books, like have you read those when we, when most people in this room were kids, they were still being boxed mostly in their like publication order, but their internal chronology was different, and so more recent box sets have been. 
uh, numbered in chronological order, and that's happened with the and books too, which okay. I just I don't like that. You don't like it? No, I don't like that practice because I feel like when you do like a prequel and a sequel or whatever, like it's informed by the books that came before and after it, even if like they're not in sequence, like chronologically. I don't know. So which is your favorite order in which to watch the Star Wars movies? You skip the Three prequels <laughs> and then you watch four and five and then you kind of watch Jedi while you do something else. Sure. <laughs> and then you leave a couple days to watch Force Awakens because it's New Hope again and yes. you don't want to remember right. it. Too and I need to forget everything that happened in number four before I can watch number seven. She said of all of the sequels that she wrote, I'm awfully afraid if the thing takes, they'll want me to write her through college. The idea makes me sick. <laughs> I feel like the magician in the Eastern story who became the slave of the gin he had conjured out of a bottle. It's <laughs> an interesting quote from our friend. This is how J.K. Rowling feels. <laughs> One would hope that's yeah. how she feels, Andrew. Mm. The book is very popular in Japan, where it the is land weirdly of popular, and you get to talk about your favorite thing, which is anime. The land of anime. Um, in 1939. A translator of children's literature named Hanako Moroka, I think, uh, was given a copy of this book as a keepsake, keepsake from a missionary friend. Uh, the missionary left during the war, and she translated it in secret, renaming it uh, Akage no An, Anne of the Red Hair. And then after the war, when all the schools were looking for, like, cool Western literature to teach, which, okay, uh, they found Anne of Green Gables. Uh, and it became this wildly successful anime in 1979, uh, partially produced by one uh, Mr. Miyazaki mm -hmm. of Studio Ghibli fame. Um, I'm just trolling you with my pronunciations right now. It's fine. Um, I'm not going to engage with great. you. Great. It became so popular that in 1986, someone made $1.4 million importing potatoes from Prince Edward Island solely because of Anne of Green Gables. <laughs> <laughs> These potatoes came from where this book came from by them. Nice. Yeah, and um, so sometimes apparently um, Japanese couples will go to uh, Prince Edward Island to be married there, and sometimes they dye their hair red like Anne. Um, it's all part, like Prince Edward Island, there's a <laughs> lot of Anne of Green Gables related tourism that happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the actual like Green Gables farmhouse, um, the book is fiction, but it's like loosely based on on real places. Um, it you know it does a big business. Um, there's been a uh, Anne of Green Gables musical that's they've put on every summer since 1965, uh, which makes it according to the Guinness Book of World Records the longest running annual musical theater production in the world. It's a very specific category. I mean, at this point, if you're going to break a record, it's going to need to be for something pretty specific. Uh, I can't yeah. be the tallest guy, but I can be like the tallest guy in this place at this specific moment in time. <laughs> While the Guinness Book writer is there yes. drinking a Guinness, right. writing down the records that he sees. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, you want to talk about this book? You want to tell me what happens in this book? Okay. Hit me. All right. Tell and, me all the book right now. And Shirley, not yet Anne of Green Cables, is an orphan. It's womp, womp. Womp, womp. <laughs> is there information on how she was orphaned? Um, she, her parents just died well, well, when she was young. That's... And then she, she bounced around a bit among different like foster homes. And she doesn't, she doesn't like to talk about it. And so the book mm. doesn't talk about it a lot. She's just like, she has learned this like schooled sort of optimism in the face of adversity mm. and like go and using her imagination a lot to make her circumstances feel and seem a little bit better. Um, but as the book opens, there is this, um, 
Now, I did not pick up that they were brother and sister until... <laughs> until you and I talked about the book? Yeah. I thought they were a husband and wife who just weren't very intimate with each other. Um, Marilla and Matthew Cuthbert, a sister and brother, she's in her 50s and he's in his 60s, and they want to adopt a boy to help out around the farm. Because you're old in your house and you you need a, a young strapping lad. Yeah, neither, and neither of them have families, and the only reason you have kids like to this day is to help you till your fields. Are they really sad? Like, do they not have any friends who have kids who they can have, help them? I mean, they have friends. They're not super sad, but they okay. are, like, Anne does bring love into their lives. Love. You can't see at home that I'm, like, doing a thing with my hands. It's You're doing a Hadouken. You're doing a love Hadouken <laughs> right now. Um, so they want a boy. They send a message to this, like, foster home. Hey, give us a boy. So... <laughs> We can till our fields, I okay. guess. I don't know. It's gotten a little more strenuous. Like the the process is more complicated now. Uh, but they send a girl accidentally instead. Whoops! And so Matthew goes down to pick up. They think an orphan boy, and, and he actually picks up Anne. And he doesn't have it in his heart to tell her because she's very excited about being adopted <laughs> and going somewhere where she is wanted. And he doesn't have it in him to tell her, hey, no, actually, we wanted, we wanted a boy. I'm sorry. This is why it's good that dogs can't talk. Because if I went to adopt a dog and it wasn't cute and I had to not adopt it, I can't, I can't <laughs> let it know that that's why. And Matthew, Matthew's a, a shy sort of, sort of guy. Um, and here's a, here is a, here's a passage about how he feels about this. The unfortunate Matthew was left to do that which was harder for him than bearding a lion in its den. Walk up to a girl, a strange girl, an orphan girl, and demand of her why she wasn't a boy. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> which which are his favorite Reddits? Do you think? No comment. Um, so, <laughs> so he figures, you know, I'm going to take her back. I'm going to let Marilla tell her that she does not belong here. <laughs> Good. That's every sitcom plot ever. Yeah, make the wife do it. Yeah, and so they are they are driving back. No, not the wife, the sister. Excuse me, I made the mistake you did. I know, right? It's complicated. <laughs> um, it's not that complicated. So they are they are driving back to Green Gables, and Anne is just like talk, 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 and talk, and talk, and talk, talking. It's okay. And, are you um, supposed to judge her that hard at this point in the book? Th that's the thing about Anne is like she's kind of a narcissist and she talks all the time, but she's also like super charming and like aware of the fact that she talks all the time. <sighs> but Matthew, because of the kind of guy he is, he and this is kind of who I am as a person, too. He appreciates it when he's with somebody who talks all the time, because that means he doesn't have to like participate in the conversation. Is that why you keep me around? Uh, no comment. So okay. <laughs> They get back to Green Gables, and Marilla, Marilla is like, who's this girl, and why isn't she a boy? This isn't a boy? <laughs> yeah. I, did, I ordered a boy. And they have, they have an argument about this, and Anne hears it and realizes what is going on and is very sad I, I would be, too. It. Yeah. And, um, and basically, so Marilla is like, we'll let you stay the night, and we'll take you back tomorrow. Take you back to where? To the kid's store. <laughs> <laughs> but um Anne is like Anne is very put upon and is very like gives delivers a very like heartfelt I don't know monologue basically why is about, this where your feelings of, live your feelings of, live around your sternum and you juggle them all the time this is where my heart is okay. in here somewhere that's good um talks to Marilla and Marilla starts to think well 
maybe this girl isn't so bad. And then Matthew, who is not very good at asserting himself, but will do it occasionally, is like, I actually like her, and I think we should keep her. Okay, put my foot down. We're going to keep this girl. Yeah, and okay. so uh, Marilla takes her back to the to the foster home where she came from and is like, hey, we don't really want this girl. And the person at the foster home is like, okay, I guess I have somebody I can put her with. But the person comes in, and they're really nasty, and they're going to put her at work, and Marilla feels bad. And she also is kind of taking a shine to Anne, and so she takes her back. Okay. And, and is this all from Anne's perspective? Is, like, these weird old siblings no, try to of, keep it's, me? No, it's like an omniscient third-person okay. sort of narration thing. Okay. Uh, so from there, she lives at Green Gables, and now she's Anne of Green Gables. Now she is Anne, Now she is the titular Anne of she's Green Gables. She's Anne of Green Gables. I did not, for a long time, did not know what a gable was. It's the part of a wall that encloses the end of a pitched roof. Neat. I just thought that everybody would like to know. Why are they green? Because I assume like paint or ivy or something. <laughs> That's how, those are the two ways that things get green. Paint yeah. and ivy, end of list. End of list. Um, Moss did not make the list. So from there, yeah, she's, the, the book is about, so she's 11 when she is adopted. Okay. And then the book. That's a tough time. That's middle school time. I mean, in Canada, I guess. People, I don't know what the grades are in Canada. People aren't required That's to go true. to school, I guess. Um, bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> um, the book is about about her like growing up and, and having little misadventures in, in Evenly, the name of the town, which okay. I probably am pronouncing fine. And this all takes place in, yeah, you're probably pronouncing it fine. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Prince Edward Island? Yes. Right, right, right. right. Okay. So what does she, does she go to school? Does she, she doesn't work for them like the boy they ordered. No, she doesn't. They just hire somebody who, like, it seems to me that would have been like an easier thing to do yeah. than adopting somebody. But at least like, they adopted I her. run a Best Buy, I'm not like, I should adopt a son to help me, to be my cashier at this Best Buy. Okay, Steve Best Buy. That's not the great, <laughs> greatest way to hire new workers for your genius bar or whatever. No, the geek squad or whatever it is. I get it right or pay the price. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she she goes to school. She makes friends with uh, Diana, who's one of her neighbors. Okay. Um, she really hates this guy Gilbert Blythe, who uh, calls her carrots because her hair is red. And that's then she like doesn't talk to him for five years. <laughs> that's a bad nickname. Carrots. It's not great. No, like red. Did you have any nicknames growing up? No. None at all? Andy sometimes. You don't like it. Please do not. Ooh. Uh, when I was in fourth grade, it was not a nickname, but a, a girl tried to call me molasses? It's because you're slow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It wasn't very nice. In college, sometimes people called you the tank because you could not hold your liquor. Also true. <laughs> uh, speaking of college, I have a list... <laughs> Um, don't look at this, Andrew. I have a no. list from a, a 2011 college humor article titled Worst Names to Pick Up During Orientation Week. It's as bad as you would expect. I'm very so skeptical. I'm, I'm that not going to read this. the really bad ones because they're just, you don't read them in 2017. But there are some that just gave me pause. So I'm just going to read them to you and you just give me your honest reactions, okay? Okay. No toes. I don't, what does that mean? You. You fall down all the I don't know. You don't have any toes. Okay, that's What's up, no toes? Fine, sure. Butts. <laughs> what if you met someone on orientation week and you just decided their nickname was bedbugs? Yeah, right? That's the kind of nickname you get if you have bedbugs and then you just carry that around like a cross for the rest of like your life. Like a Charlie Brown character, but yeah, named bedbugs. Right. Like that person at our college who got scabies that time. 
Another nickname you could call someone is Snape. Like Severus? I think so. It's a very it's like a Harry uh, Potter thing? Yeah. I think that is not as good as Fart Simpson. <laughs> a very literate group might nickname someone Iago. I, I think there's like, like the a parrot from Aladdin. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, here's a good one. LL Drool J. This is Genghis Kant. <laughs> and then closing it out, Obamacare. You would not want to be called Obamacare. <laughs> very, very then you're, topical like, humor. Your roommate would always be trying to repeal you. Yeah, and no one can think of a better roommate than you, even though you're like, okay, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows you could be improved, but nobody can agree on how to do it. <laughs> okay, so talk about this book now. <laughs> she doesn't like this guy who called her carrots. Yeah, Gilbert Blythe. She cracks like a a tablet over his head, Yo. and then they don't talk for a long time. Okay. What, how does her friendship with Diana go? Um, it goes very well. She is, she is, and feels things very strongly. So I got my hands on my chest again, which is <laughs> you how you know that we're about to talk about feelings. Okay, you can identify with her, is what um, you're saying. Yeah, so Diana, of course, like instantly they're bosom buddies and, and they're and swearing like their undying love to each other, even though they just met because Anne thinks she's really great. Mm -hmm. um, like when we became friends. Well, uh, yeah, like when we became friends yes. and we traded bracelets and we hugged for yes. 10 straight minutes. <laughs> That's mostly correct, yeah. Um, what else do I want to talk about? I want to talk about Anne gets into trouble. Yeah, it's kind of what I'm, it's kind of, I'm, I know that Diana is involved in some of this trouble. Oh, so yeah, let's talk about that. That's oh, a good one. Let's talk about uh, trouble. Okay, you're excited. Let's do it. To my Anne mishaps section of my notes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so she has Diana over for tea one day. And like, she's very, as many like 11, 12 year old people would be, I think, is very excited to play like a grown-up. Yes. And so she wears her second best clothes, and Diana wears her second best clothes. Like all, like well, all mean, adults like you do. you only have like four clothes. <laughs> yeah. And so you have church clothes. In, in your, backwards Canada. Your you have like your clothes. best clothes, your second best clothes, and then your scubbies. Yeah, your scub. What? That's just your... <laughs> That's what my mom would call like sweatpants. <laughs> like just you're hanging out around the house clothes. She called them scubbies? <laughs> Your mom rules. Um, and, and, and Marilla tells Anne, yeah, you guys can have some of this raspberry cordial that's in the, that's in the cabinet. Mm -hmm. Go nuts. And so mm -hmm. they play, and they hang out, and they eat. And uh, Anne goes into the cabinet and can't find the raspberry cordial where Marilla said it was. But one shelf up, she finds what she assumes to be the raspberry cordial. And it ends up being like old wine that has been Ooh. up there. For a while, mm. Diana drinks three glasses of it. Yo! And then goes home. And, and her she's like 11? Yeah, 11 or 12. Whoa, Diana the tank. <laughs> <laughs> and Diana's mother gets really, really upset at Anne and doesn't let them hang out for a while because she thinks Anne got her daughter drunk on purpose. Well, did, did she? Not on purpose. Not on purpose, but she did get her best friend drunk. It did end up being a good story, though. Um... <laughs> Well, the, that's that's okay because it turns out the only thing you have to do to uh, regain the trust of your mom's if, of your friend's mom is to save a baby from dying of croup, which oh. she also does. How did she do that? She just she had taken care of a bunch of kids like as an orphan, and so she oh, knows sure. she knew enough about whatever backwards 1900s Canadian medicine <laughs> they had. That she can save this baby before the doctor gets there. Your progressive open-mindedness is a real 
asset to this podcast. It really is. If I was 11 and I saw a sick baby, I think I'd run away. <laughs> if I saw a sick baby now, I might run away. What's the context? Is it just like on a bench in a McDonald's play place, or is it like your friend's baby? Or oh, tell me play more about place. Yeah, you got to close that place down if there's a sick baby in there. No one can go in there. <laughs> Nobody goes in there. Nobody goes in the ball pit anymore. No, we don't. We don't talk about the ball pit the anymore. Shut it down. Um, other and mishaps. She loses. She okay. Merla accuses her of losing a brooch which she didn't actually do, but she wants to go to a picnic and Merla won't let her go unless she admits what she did. And so she admits that she lost it even though she didn't. How does that play out? That's pretty much it. That's how it plays out. And then Marilla like finds it in a hamper or something later because it had been pinned. This is like SVU. Yeah. There's like a false confession. Yeah, like this this happens a few times with the Anne mishaps. Like, actually, this is Marilla's fault. <laughs> like Marilla didn't leave the raspberry cordial where it was supposed to be. Marilla sure. didn't leave the brooch where it was supposed to be. Marilla told Anne to put some vanilla in a cake when actually it was like liniment. It was like lotion. Whoa. And then she put that in the cake and the cake tasted bad. But, like, did anyone get sick? No, nobody got sick. They just ate a bad-tasting cake. Okay. And Anne was mortified because, it was, of course, it was a cake for company that she had made, and she was very proud of it. Sure. How does their relationship, like, does... Here's a... Okay. So okay. Anne bursts into these people's life. Uh-huh. Right? She's yeah. not the boy that they ordered. She is not the boy they ordered. She's a different type of girl. Um, I almost did like a Rick James thing, which is like, no, not applicable here. Mm -hmm. um, is she, here's really the question I want to ask you. Is she a manic pixie dream girl? No, she's not a manic pixie dream girl. She's not like changing the lives of everyone she meets. I mean, she does some of that, but I feel like the manic pixie dream girl is conflated like with some taciturn young boy whose That's life true. she's changing forever. And That's that true. does not really exist in this book. So. Okay. Yeah, so she's more like a magic nanny then. I guess, sure. Okay, she's or a like cool teach. <laughs> People who change like lives. Like a Robin Williams style. Yes. Yeah, Dead Poet Society thing. Okay, great. Um, yeah, like, like so Marilla tells Matthew, like, I'm raising this girl, so you just kind of stay out of it. So Matthew is happy <laughs> to just spoil her intermittently and, like, enjoy her company. And so she and Matthew have a very, like, sweet relationship. And... Um, Marilla likes her a lot too, but is not like as forthcoming about it. She's like sure. more more harsh with her, but it always like she's always she's always laughing at the stuff that Anne says and does, but like out of her view, so she doesn't get encouraged. It's like when a kid swears, like a baby swears, and you have to like it's the funniest thing. Yeah, we we're a baby out. cussing is the funniest thing. We were hanging out with our friend's baby the other day, and her <laughs> she said that her new favorite song was "Ring Around the Poopy," and we had to not laugh. And then her dad asked her what her second favorite song was and his ring around the pee pee. Yeah. So just like really heavy into the bathroom. But we're still laughing about humor. it now. Oh, so it's thanks. funny. <laughs> it's funny stuff. But yeah, you can't encourage that behavior. No. Um, what else do we want? Okay, so we got in some and mishaps. Oh, the one that wasn't Marilla's fault is when she dyed her hair green while trying to dye it black. How does that work? People were dyeing their hair back then? Uh, they were trying to. <laughs> Did they have punk rock back then? <laughs> punk rockers aren't the only people who dye their hair. Correct. That's fair. Um, I've never tried to dye my hair. Have you ever tried to dye your hair? No, I thought about it. I've got some like gray hairs going. It just makes me self-conscious. You don't want any frosted tips, though? No, I don't want them. Well, no, I never frosted my tips. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're not going to go blue? Blue hair? No, no, I haven't okay. that. Um, 
the one the one and mishap that was not Marilla's fault is yeah she dyed her hair green. That's that gets into another thing about Anne where she like is really she doesn't like her hair and she doesn't like how thin she is and she doesn't like the way she looks. She's like very vain and she talks about that all the time. Is that a a quality that comes out of anything around her? Are people talk? I mean, obviously that that's do, just like that, she that, is that, talking about that from the jump. So it's just something mm. that is like innate to her. I mean, she does talk all the time. You said so she's got to she talk like, about something. I yeah, guess right exactly. Um, so those are the Anne mishaps. Like, what else do you like? What else in your research about the book did you like come up against that you specifically want to know about? I want to know. I got a lot of, like, there's just a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on. What is what is her relationship with this jerk boy, Gilbert or whatever his name is? Uh, they she really really hates him, but they also um, they are rivals in school, and so. Like, she's thinking about him a lot all the time in the way that if you're a kid, you might be thinking about somebody you like, but, like, picking on them or, like, convincing yourself that you didn't like yeah, them. Yeah, so is the book explicitly romantic, or is it like, no, they're 13-year-olds who don't like each other, but they it's really like, like each other? There are touches of that, but, yeah, mostly she's just allowed to be a little girl, which is kind of nice. Okay. Even though she, you know, it, it tracks her from 11 to 16-ish. Sure, But sure. there's not, like, a huge romantic subplot. Now, in subsequent books, I do think that she and Gilbert get married, and they have a family, and they do all that stuff. Okay. But in this book, which is the most, like, known of them, okay, it's not a big thing. What is a lot of these... I read off a bunch of orphans, if you don't remember, at the top of the show. Um, it was hilarious. And a lot of them, especially uh, Little Orphan Annie, want to know who their parents are like that's they're like driving what what drives Anne of Green Gables what is she here to do on this earth what does she want to do um she is she is kind of driven by her curiosity and just her love of the world like she's always coming up with very poetic nicknames for for lakes and for woods and stuff um, like it, things that already have names? Yeah, but like they're named they're named like boring stuff. They're just named after like the person who owns the land, which is boring. I guess so. I wonder what she would think of names now because it's all named after like banks and Doritos and stuff. <laughs> yeah, Doritos Street, my favorite street. It would be it wouldn't be Doritos Street. It would be like Main Street brought to you by Doritos. No. Um, isn't it splendid to think of all the things there are to find out about? So that's like Anne. that's a huge thing for Anne, I think, and it's it's part of why, like, despite the fact that she's a bit of a narcissist and a bit vain and talking all the time in a way that could be super tiresome, I think that is why the character resonates with people, and that's why what that's why people read the book and like the book. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I found was that in World War II, when Poland was occupied by the Nazis. The Polish Resistance Army, the Home Army, distributed copies of this book to their soldiers as a like, here's what you're fighting for. These are this the types. Fake girl from Canada. <laughs> what? She was a paragon of individualism and resisting authority, Andrew. <laughs> I guess. What if you were in a well, not in a trench. It's if World War One. Country had been taken over by Nazis. By Nazis, <laughs> and you were given this book. What? How would you use it to wake up every morning and like fight the good fight? What would you keep in your head and heart from Anna Green Gables? I'm not a hundred percent sure what you're asking me. Here. Why did? Why um, this? Why do people find this book inspiring? 
I mean, I think the the imagination is a big thing. The individualism is a big thing. Like there are a lot of narratives I think about individualism that are encouraging you to like buck the system and like don't mm. fit in and, and and that kind of stuff. Like hot topic books is what this, you're saying. Yeah, like yeah. the hot topic book series. Yeah. Yes. The, <laughs> <laughs> but she like she stands out and she is thoroughly herself, but she's still like well liked by her friends and others at school. Like there are a lot of stealth morals that are delivered to you, the reader, by Marilla and other people in the book, which I think helps probably okay. convince parents to pass this onto their kids. Even what though kind of stealth morals are you talking about? I have there are a bunch of quotes and I didn't write down any of them, but like <laughs> Marilla like specifically believes that when you talk to a kid, you should probably just try to throw in as many morals as you can. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, That's not how I talk to kids. I encourage them to say poop and pee all the time. And you make your weird rubbery Muppet face at them and they, they love that stuff. Yep. Kids mm -hmm. like Craig. It's um, true. <laughs> That's relevant. <laughs> um, she's, a, she's a scholar, like I said. Like She's competing with Gilbert to get all these scholarships. She's very successful. It makes Matthew very proud. Like Everything with Anna Matthew makes me very, very... Yeah, like talk about in my heart because that like that winds here, as we've discussed that winds down in a way that is tough for her, right? So she goes off to school. Yeah, she beats Gilbert at school, sort of. Yeah. Then what happens? Well, so we are getting toward the end of the book, and so it's it's been foreshadowed. I think if you're reading any YA lit, like if it's like where the red fern grows or this, like something has to die so it teaches you about death. <laughs> Like, this is the age where your books should just teach you about death, apparently. That's the primary moral that you should learn from every book that you read when you're 12. Yeah, and yeah. so we know that Matthew and Marilla are a little bit older. Um, we are getting these these breadcrumbs that are dropped in some earlier chapters about how she deals with headaches, and, like, he has some heart trouble. And reading that and, like, knowing the kind of book this is, I figure that somebody dies. <laughs> okay. And so to like prep myself to deal with that emotionally, like every chapter has a title. And so I thought oh. I would read ahead to some chapter titles just like to tell myself when to expect it. Like I can deal with a beloved character dying. I just need to be like ready to do it. Okay. Um, which is why I have such trouble with Game of Thrones, I guess. <laughs> um, so I'm reading ahead in some of the chapter things and, and trying to find ones that are obviously about death. So chapter 27, Vanity and Vexation of Spirit. No, that's probably not it. Uh, chapter 29, an epic in Anne's life. Mm, maybe, but maybe. Mike, if, no. man, if I can't find one more obvious, like maybe. Um, chapter 31, where the brook and river meet. Like, eh, also maybe. Like, that's that could just be like one. I'm outside. Uh, I'm chapter just 33, around. the hotel concert, probably not. Um, chapter 35, winter at Queens, like maybe, but probably not. Chapter 37, the reaper whose name is Death. <laughs> Are there other reapers named other stuff? Probably, like, but uh, you don't want to read about the Reaper whose name is Gary. Like, it's just not. It's not Hi, that I'm, interesting. I'm Josephine, the Reaper. I'm here to hang I'm out with you. Filling in for the other guy. I'm filling in for death today. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Anne goes away um, to teaching school. She's going to learn how to teach. She's hoping she can get a scholarship so she can go get her bachelor's from somewhere. Somewhere in Canada, presumably. Yeah, and she d and she does get that scholarship, and so she's going to go home for the summer, and she's going to have an amazing summer, and she feels like she, she can see her whole life like stretching out ahead of her. And then, like, and she's walking through the field with Matthew, and they're having a conversation, and he's saying, like, how she's his girl and how proud he is of her. And then, like, 
the bank where they have all their money goes under and he like dies of a heart attack Whoa. like on the spot. Whoa. So that's not ideal. No. For her. I think banks kill a lot of people. Expand on that. I don't. I just feel like a lot of people get bad news from banks and it just really <laughs> bums them out and then they don't wake up. I feel like I've seen it in the news or movies or somewhere. What this bank really needed is like a, um, a George Bailey kind of character. That's what I'm talking about. To like convince everybody to keep their money in the bank even though it's failing. But the other bank, like his dumb brother. Well, we can't even go in on no, George Bailey's about, dumb it's brother. A wonderful life. We watch it's, it's a Wonderful Life every year and we'd love it. And it's yeah, great. it's true. Um, you should do it too. This podcast brought to you by It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> So he dies. So yeah, he he dies. Marilla's not doing super great, and they have no money. Okay. And so it comes to like Marilla tells Anne, "Hey, we I have to sell Green Gables, and I'm gonna go live with Miss Rachel, who's a kind of a fantastic busybody." Um, here's a here's a quote that in a section talking about Miss Rachel. There are plenty of people in Avonlea and out of it who can attend closely to their neighbor's business by dint of neglecting their own. Mm. It basically means they're really good at telling other people what to do, even though they're not attending to their own affairs. Now, that's not what Miss Rachel is. She attends to others' affairs and gets her all of her work done. <laughs> okay. But, um, so, yeah, Marilla's going to have to sell Green Gables, and Anne hears this and like is very, very anti. Sure. She is anti-selling selling Green okay. Gables. Okay, so what's her plan? Um, so she is going to get a job at the local school. It's a position that uh, Gilbert has, al has already applied to, but he hears that she needs it, and so he says, oh, I'm going to go teach somewhere else, and you can have this teaching job. Okay. That's very um, nice of him. Yeah, and that's where, that's where their relationship really thaws, and they like, start talking mm. and, and becoming friends, and then later, you know, mm. you know what's going to happen. Yeah. They're going to bang. <laughs> but they don't do it in this book. Is there a title that... <laughs> the is there a title that you can read to me about when they bang? <laughs> I'm trying to think of one. What would it be called? Like Anne of Anne of the Premature. <laughs> premature what, Andrew? <laughs> Finish the sentence. Uh, so Anne stays at Green Gables. And and she but she's still happy. She's like, you know, this isn't this isn't what I thought I would do, but like I get to stay here in Avonlea and like Diana is here and I love her and I love Marilla and I love the place and, and looking around at it and like I'm still I'm still really excited to like go and live my life. Cool. And like and and yeah, that's that's the book. That's what happens much. in the book. Yes. Do you have a do what did you think you were gonna do? Boy, I guess I don't know. Like we, so we graduated in 2008, which is not a great time to graduate if no. you wanted to like make money. Or Banks live. were killing a lot of people at the time. <laughs> I don't know what. What do you think you were gonna do? Like you, what, I didn't did you, think I'd be sitting here doing a podcast. That's, that's true. true. Yeah. So cheers. Cheers to Good that. Work. Yeah. Suckers. Um, suckers. Uh, I don't know. I guess I thought I was gonna be doing what I'm basically doing, but when I was. 12, I couldn't have told you what I was going to be doing. I get, like, in high school, I thought I would be a writer, but I had, like, no anything about how, like, how to make money doing that. I thought I was going to write fiction, and I'm really glad I didn't. It was going to be bad. You should, though. What, no. What, okay, so you wrote 
what's your favorite like short fiction that you wrote in high school for like an essay? Class I or submitted for a summer program <laughs> to a fiction workshop that was about a rich boy who learned something by working at a soup kitchen. And I think I named him Rockefeller to make a point. <laughs> what point? I didn't get what in. What was your point? That he was rich and it was bad? I'm not sure what the point was. I then, when I heard that I didn't get in, I bought a copy of Fahrenheit 451 and read it promptly. Because mm-hmm. stories needed to burn. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like this book? I did like this book. Yeah, people were the people get where I don't know what it is about me and like the episodes that I do that makes me think that makes people think I'm not gonna like the books that mm, I read. Sure, people are very worried that you were not gonna like this <laughs> book. Is it because it's about feelings? I don't even know if it was that. It's just it's Anne walks this very fine line between being insufferable and being charming, and I think sure. a lot of like there are a lot of people in our lives who are like that. Um. <laughs> But yeah, she's always she's always on the None right. None of them are in this room right now. None of them. <laughs> or are you? Um, but yeah, she's always she's always on the right side of the endearing line. I I can see why the character endures. Like she she's there have been a ton of adaptations of this. Like the Netflix show, a movie, the musical, like tons of radio dramas. Weirdly, a lot of radio dramas. Um, yes. Um, yeah, like I I can see why that that optimism like resonates with people, especially in. An era, and this—I think this is some of the criticism of the Netflix show. But in an era where everything needs to be like gritty and real and dark, like it's nice to have escapism that just like knows it's being escapism and yeah. is cool with it. And I—I I find it interesting that it does not, at least in this book, the later books where they bang, notwithstanding, that it is not <laughs> explicitly like a romance. It is just about this girl growing up. She is. Living like, she her is life. a romantic sort of person. Mm, I see what you did there. That's clever. But um, no, don't do that again. Andrew's touching himself. It's so hot, though. It's I'm, <laughs> I'm so sweaty. Great. It's a bad scene. It is a bad um, scene. But yeah. Is that the book? I think that's the book. Okay. We did it. We did it. We and, made it. And Green Gables. So if you <laughs> uh, want to find time. out more about the show or tell us what you thought about Obviously, this episode, you would want to do find that. us uh, on social media at twitter.com slash overduepod or facebook.com slash overduepod. I'm going to ask Andrew about the website real quick, but first I want to thank some of the sponsors for the Philly Podcast Festival, which would not exist uh, without the Philadelphia Podcasting Society, Steel Empire, Fireball Printing, Pyroglyphic Studio, that's Steel Empire <laughs> clapping over there. Um, the Kitchen Table Gallery, which hosted us today. Uh, Philly Banner Express, Tea House uh, Inc., and Click Save Photography Design. So thanks, y'all, for making this happen. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? Uh, OverduePodcast.com is our internet website. Um, we are also on Twitter at OverduePod. And I said that. Facebook at OverduePod. I said that. That's, I'm saying it again. Rep- Great. Repetition is key to learning. Um, and yeah, we have up there like all kinds of like all of our past episodes, a new a listener page if you've never listened before and you want to listen to episodes that we think are good. That's Obviously, our judgment is impeccable. Um, anything else? I think no. That's it. Thanks all for coming. If you want to yeah, hang thanks, out with guys. us after the show, we're going to be over at the Evil Genius uh, Beer Lab a couple blocks away. So hang out with us over there. That's it, Andrew. Yeah. Thanks again to the folks at the Philly Pod Fest for having us again. This is our third year, so. Yay for them. Um, Say the thing. 
Yeah. Thanks for coming out and uh, try to be happy. That was a headgum podcast. It's deadly quiet in here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're oh, gonna yeah. be we're gonna be ready. I was born ready. The podcast. I was born with a microphone in my hand. I was born this way. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Woo! Getting y'all warmed up. We'll be here all night <laughs> for an hour.